Hey there, it's Callista. Before we get started, I want to ask, are you a pregnant mama? And do you want to be part of a community of women where you can share your new mom journey and where you can get pregnancy and postpartum support? Well, if that's something you'd like, then I want to invite you to join my free online group, New Mom Lounge. We have fun questions in there, and I go live every week to answer all your questions. You can join by searching New Mom Lounge in Facebook, or just go to newmomboss.com forward slash lounge to get the direct link. That's newmomboss.com forward slash lounge. Don't do pregnancy and postpartum alone. It is so much more enjoyable when you go through it with a tribe. It can be isolating when no one understands what you're going through. And trust me, no one gets it more than other women with the same hormones pumping through their body. So come on over and share how your pregnancy is going inside New Mom Lounge. Hope to see you in there soon. All right, let's get this show started. Hi, I'm Callista Anderson, a new mom coach and educator. I help new moms just like you during pregnancy and beyond to figure out what to do next and how to do it so that you feel prepared, equipped with the proper knowledge and ready for your precious baby, allowing you to enjoy the wonderful runway into mommyhood. If you're navigating through pregnancy with a million things on your mind, that you know you have to get done or learn about, then this is the podcast for you. I have been where you are and I totally get it. I'm a mom of three and my first two babies were back to back, only 13 months apart. Those first couple of years were a pretty challenging time, but it made me a fast new mom master and it gave me a newfound passion for mamas to be and their babies. It was during this intense learning curve of the new mom life, I had a light bulb moment and said, wow, isn't it interesting that we women prepare way more for our weddings, like a year in advance, and put so much energy into every last detail? Yet, we don't do the same thing for becoming a new mom. I was inspired to combine my experience along with my professional background as a registered nurse and a certified lactation counselor to help women get ready for their babies like they were getting ready for their weddings, to make them feel like a boss when that sweet baby arrived. So I created my business, New Mom Boss, and started this show, The New Mom Boss Podcast, to help prepare women for the most important job of their lives, becoming a mom. I am so glad you are here and want to thank you in advance for taking the time to learn for your baby. We moms are changing the world one baby at a time, and I can hardly wait to get started. So let's go. Welcome back to the New Mom Boss Podcast. This is episode 66, and today I have Amanda, who is one half of the mamas of coffee and co-sleeping. I was originally supposed to have Amanda and Alexis on the show, but because of mom life, Alexis was not able to make it. You know how that goes. And if you're a first-time pregnant mama, I'm sure you can already start to see how the new mom life can be so unpredictable. But it just comes with the territory. What can we do? 
Nonetheless, I had a wonderful chat with Amanda. If you've ever wondered what attachment parenting is or what co-sleeping is like, then keep listening because we talked all about co-sleeping. We talked about the difference between co-sleeping and bed sharing, what safety measures to take, attachment parenting, and more. So without further ado, here is my interview with Amanda. Okay, welcome Amanda to the show. Amanda is one of the coffee and co-sleeping mamas. Unfortunately, Alexis was not able to make our chat here today, but thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on. Would you let our audience know a little bit more about you ladies? Of course, yes. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm Amanda, like you said, one half of Coffee and Co-Sleeping Podcast. I'm originally from Boston. I'm living in Maryland. I work part-time as an x-ray tech. My husband, Mike, and I have been married for almost 10 years. We have a two and a half year old little girl and yeah, we are just out here trying to crush all the society norms when it comes to attachment parenting and co-sleeping. Which I have not had this topic on my show. So I was very excited to have you ladies on and I'm excited that you were able to make it today because this is a huge topic that I know not a lot about and I'm all about bringing all the information, you know, different specialties and expertise to pregnant moms and new moms so that they know their choices and they can pick what works for them. Can you tell us about what co-sleeping, well, we'll start with co-sleeping, but co-sleeping and attachment parenting, those are very big topics. Let's start with co-sleeping. What are the safety measures that should be taken in regards to co-sleeping? So I think the first thing while talking about co-sleeping, it's important to note a lot of people think that co-sleeping means baby is directly in the bed with you, and that's actually not the case. So co-sleeping refers to baby being in the same vicinity, within the same room as the caregiver or parent, and bed sharing is when the baby is physically in the bed with you. So Alexis and I have both been bed sharing with our children. My daughter is now two and a half. We started at about six months, and the safety measures for co-sleeping, we always, always, always go by La Leche League Safe Sleep 7. So I'm just going to read those from their website. That's something that we always refer new moms to. So the safe sleep seven are you are a non-smoker as well as your partner who is in the bed with you. Parents are sober and unimpaired. A breastfeeding mother and your baby is healthy and full term on his back lightly dressed and you're both on a safe sleep surface. So safe sleep surface is really important. That is a floor bed is what we recommend. So like my bed is just about four inches off the floor and that's for safety measures. A lot of the times when we hear in the media and these things about co-sleeping, you know, infant deaths and things like that, a lot of the times the parent typically is under the influence of something and they're falling asleep on a not safe sleep surface, which, you know, we've all done, we've all fallen asleep breastfeeding in the, you know, in the rocker in the middle of the night in the nursery and things like that. So we really, really want to put these out there. And we think that, you know, every new parent at that six week appointment, when your doctor is asking how you're doing and how baby is doing, we really think these need to be given in a handout because studies show the majority of new parents, especially breastfeeding moms are likely to bring baby in bed with them. So you said you started bed sharing at six months. Yes. Is that correct? So what did you do prior to that? So prior to that, we had a halo bassinet connected to our bed. So we were co-sleeping. Our daughter was in the room next to us at about six months. She grew out of the halo bassinet. So we wanted to keep her in the room and we put a pack and play in our room and we would lay in bed nurse and I would pick her up 
put her in the pack and play. And every time I put her in, she'd wake back up. And we would do that for about two hours until finally we'd both fall asleep in bed. My husband's like, why are we doing this? Clearly she's telling us what she wants and the only way she knows how. So let's just leave her in bed. And, you know, we did that for about a month. And then finally he was like, all right, if we're going to do this, like mattress on the floor, we're committing and we have not looked back. (laughs) So did you know ahead of time that you were going to do attachment parenting and co-sleeping? I did not know. And I know, um, I don't want to speak for Alexis, but I will say um, it was not something that she was really exposed to. Nobody around her, you know, really practiced attachment parenting. My sister has two children and she, her lifestyle and things are very similar to mine. So I knew it was a thing, but I didn't know anything of it. I didn't know it had a name. I just thought like, oh, everyone around me is mothering their children. And then once you start researching and you're like, oh, there's actually a name for, you know, what my friends and sister and the people I'm surrounded with are doing, there's a name for this. And that was something we never understood. Like, and it's so controversial, co-sleeping and attachment parenting. And it's like responding to your children's needs. Like when did it become, you know, so taboo and controversial and such a topic? Let's talk about attachment parenting because those kind of go hand in hand, right? Attachment parenting, Mm -hmm. co-sleeping and bed sharing. Yes. So attachment parenting was coined by Dr. William Sears. We highly recommend all of his books, his website. He's super knowledgeable. It's a parenting approach that emphasizes responding with sensitivity and nurturing connection. There's eight principles of attachment parenting. And I think it's important to note a lot of the times people will look at these and they'll say, oh, I don't do that. I, you know, I can't be an attached parent. These are all just guidelines like anything. So the eight principles are prepare for pregnancy, birth, and parenting, feed with love and respect, Respond with sensitivity, use nurturing touch, engage in nighttime parenting, constant loving care, practice positive discipline, strive for balance in personal and family life. And a lot of the times, Alexis and I, we had met and we were, we both casually mentioned, you know, oh, my baby sleeps in bed with me and that, you know, cry it out and the Ferber method and these things that we weren't really comfortable with and that we were engaging in nighttime parenting. And that's when we really got to researching and talking to other moms and realized that, you know, this this is a whole approach. And a lot of people, you know, like I said, they'll be like, Oh, well, I don't do this. You know, you know, I can't be an attached parent. And that's, that's really not what it is. It's really just listening to what our child's needs are and responding to those needs with loving touch and sensitive. And so co-sleeping and bed sharing is is all a part of that, correct? Yes, correct. Most, not all attached parents co-sleep or bed share, but I will say the majority of them do. And so if you're not co-sleeping, because for me, that when I think attachment parenting, I do think of bed sharing. Yes. So what does it look like if you're practicing attachment parenting without the sleeping part of it? So the big thing is just that attached parents do not believe or practice cry it out methods. So like, I know me personally, I don't leave, you know, my daughter in the crib to cry. Like that was never a way, like, I don't believe in self-soothing things like that. Like I am here to soothe her. So those kind of things, not always, you know, bed sharing and co-sleeping a lot of the times, like we eventually plan to put a floor bed in our daughter's room. So I'll lay with her, I'll nurse. And then as soon as she falls asleep, I'll roll away and she'll sleep in her own bed. We're not quite there yet, but that's kind of the future goal there. And I will still practice attachment parenting with her in her own room. And that's another thing I, when I think of attachment parenting, breastfeeding is a huge part of it. Is that right? Yes. Breastfeeding is, but there's a lot of parents out there who don't breastfeed who are attached parents. And breastfeeding for as long as you can. 
Yeah. So there's no cutoff. Like I get a lot of the times my daughter's two and a half and I get like, you're still breastfeeding. And it's like, yeah, like you're still judging me on my parenting choices. (laughs) Yes. You know, or if people ask, when are you going to stop? That's a question I've gotten a lot. And I'm like, I don't know. Like Maryland has a lot of great colleges. I hope she stays local. You know, this was never what I thought would be. And, but I can't imagine doing anything else. You know, I am a strong advocate for self-weaning. But you did not go into new motherhood thinking you were going to do this. You just kind of, that's what you felt pulled to do. Is that, am I? Yes. 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 You know, my husband and I got married very young, but we knew we didn't want children right away. But I always knew like my ultimate purpose and intention in life is to be a mother. I've always, you know, had a strong belief in that. So it all stems from like my childhood was definitely not none of this was practiced. You know, we were left alone to cry and spanked and things like that. So I kind of knew I wanted to do things differently. I just didn't know to what degree and what extent. And just as, you know, my daughter came, I just couldn't imagine. It just felt so natural to me, like sitting on the couch, 14 hours a day, nursing her, holding her, feeding her on cue. Like that's just what I did. Like, I didn't think I was doing anything. It just felt very natural to me. That's beautiful. So it must have been really hard when it was time for you to go back to work. Yes, that was something I really struggled with. My husband and I went back and forth. You know, he's in the military. His job is, you know, not very predictable. You know, that's why Alexis isn't here with us this evening. So we, you know, we really needed one constant. We needed one parent that was going, you know, to always kind of be there and not be traveling or not at work and things like that. So we really did go back and forth with me staying home, me just the personality I have and the type of person I am, I knew that wasn't what I wanted. I worked really hard in school. You know, I got my degree and, you know, I want to show I have a young daughter. I want to show her, you know, working woman who got there through higher education. So I really needed to try to balance the two. And I like to think I have, you know, I work part-time, I work two days a week. That doesn't mean it's always easy. It's definitely not. But I mean, we have an incredible nanny and I say all the time, if something ever happened that she moved or she couldn't, you know, be with our family anymore, then like I'd be done. (laughs) Right. So what is a typical transition? So you said you're going to transition your daughter at some point and you'll have a floor bed. How does that work? How does the transition into their own room work? So I've gone back and forth a little bit with the timeline on this. A lot of parents do it like when they're pregnant or trying for another child. So where, you know, that is in, you know, the near future for us, we've talked about doing it. Our plan is that we'll buy her, you know, a mattress. It's like a Montessori style floor bed. So she'll have access to everything in her room. So we'll make sure, you know, everything's childproof, anchored to the wall. And I nurse to sleep and for nap time. So you know, we'll really hype up the bed. I'll let her pick out her own, you know, she's really into rainbows. So I'll let her kind of pick out her own comforter and things like that. And I'll just keep the nighttime routine what it is now. It will just be shifted to her room. So we'll still lay together and nurse and have her sound machine. And then I'll, I've perfected my ninja roll. So I'll just kind of (laughs) roll out of bed. And, you know, if she wakes up and wants to come in our room, you know, our doors always open. Like, you know, our bed's not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. And that will be a conversation. My daughter's two and a half, but I mean, they understand everything. So having a conversation with her, like, okay, you're going to sleep here. And, you know, mom and dad are right here. So just wake up if you need us. Wow. So you're going to keep your bed on the floor in your room. That's, that's amazing. Like I'm the furniture stores are like, they need attachment parenting furniture. (laughs) And partly because we had a queen, we have like, you know, we have this wonderful, beautiful bed set. I remember saying, I was like, I'm never going to put my mattress on the floor. Like I'm so, I care about the way like 
my home looks like I'm really big into like the aesthetic and everything matches. So I was like, no, like no way. And when we realized like, oh, this is our life, like we upgraded to a king. So of course our, you know, our queen bed frame didn't work. So it's now in one of our spare rooms. So we bought this bed frame to go with our attached lifestyle. Oh, so there is a bed frame. Yes, yes. So we didn't have it for a while. When my daughter was very young, we just had the mattress on the floor. And obviously, we were adamant of like lifting it up and vacuuming underneath and things like that. But once she got older and was able to get in and out of bed on her own, we now have one. And it's only I think it's like four or five inches and she's able to get in and out of bed herself. Really cool. I guess we were raised with somewhat of an attachment parenting, my brother and I, because we slept with our parents till we were like, I want to say like eight or nine. And it was really hard for us to sleep in our own rooms. It it took a long time. I just could not fall asleep without being snuggled in between my parents. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times I think when people hear attachment parenting, they think that like, it's kind of like permissive parenting and we let our children do whatever they want and they're going to sleep with us forever. But like, even like you just said, like it was hard for you to fall asleep on your own. Like that's the norm. Like children want to be close to us. You know, we're their first teachers, their first everything. Like they don't know anything else. And even me, you know, my husband travels a lot for work. It's like, I don't like sleeping alone. So, I mean, we would never tell like your husband, like, oh no, sleep in the other room and just cry. Like you're on your own. I'm not going to hug you. I'm not going to hold you. Like, why do we expect our children to do that? You know, we expect them to be able to rationalize and soothe themselves. And it's like, that's just, it just never made sense to me. I was like, this is, you know, what feels right. You know, I've always just kind of led with my heart and done what I felt was right. And, you know, thankfully I have, you know, a husband who's very supportive. So it's, it's worked out great for us. That's beautiful. I love that you follow your, your heart and you didn't do what everyone else was doing. Yes. And that can be very hard. And I know a lot of, you know, our listeners on our podcast and just like a lot of you know, our followers and people that we talk to, that's something that they really struggle with. Like, oh, my sister just had a baby or my friends, my mom's telling me to do it this way. And, you know, me and Alexis are both nineties babies and things have really, really changed since the nineties. And that's not the way things are done anymore. You know, our generation is doing an incredible job of standing up and saying, you know, I'm going to choose to do different. And whether it comes to parenting or anything, like we're really breaking out and, you know, this doesn't work for me and my family anymore. So just because my mom did it and my sister did this, like I'm choosing to do different. And that's really what we wanted with our platform, because a lot of people don't know that these things exist. And then you talk to someone, it's like, wait, your baby sleeps in your bed too. Like, oh, you're still nursing your two-year-old. And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not alone. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think moms just need to know all the different ways you can do things so that you know your options and you're not just doing what you think you should be doing. You know, this may not be for everybody, but it might be for someone who like never thought of it, you of know? Course. And I know we just recorded, you know, you on our podcast and you had said when it comes to doctors that we're kind of, you know, it's the system that needs a lot of work. And we feel that way when it comes to, you know, pediatricians and family medicine doctors, they're not giving new moms these resources. And it's like, where's your baby sleeping? And you, you panic and you're like in their crib on their back, like, you know, and you kind of look and they're like, okay, because if you were to say otherwise, you know, we've heard a lot of moms, you know, and ourselves, you know, get shamed or looked down upon, or, you know, been told that what we're doing is dangerous. And those things are not wrong. You know, this can be dangerous, but it can also be a beautiful thing if done correctly. And that's why we really want so much for these parents and healthcare providers to really get these safety measures out there because it could really change a lot of lives in more ways than one. Right. 
So you said you didn't bed share though for six months. Is it not safe to bed share before that time? Um, if done correctly, it can be. The big things, and I probably should have touched on this when we were talking about the safe sleep seven, is you want to make sure that your sleep space is set up safely. That is a really bad tongue twister. And that means no pillows, no comforters, no extra blankets, no water beds. Not that I think anyone has those anymore. Wow, that would um, be amazing. Want, <laughs> you don't want like the foam mattresses, like the Tempur-Pedic or things like that. You want a you know, firm space. So we just... For the first six months, I don't know. It just, the halo bassinet was like the thing to buy when you Google like top registry items. So I just felt like that's kind of what everyone was doing. Like you put the baby in the bassinet and it wasn't, you know, Alexis has co-slept safely with both of hers since birth. So I just think it's kind of more of a personal choice. I will say in the future, when we do have a second child there, the halo bassinet will stay in the basement and we'll never make it into the bedroom. <laughs> so you'll be- bed share from the beginning. Yes. And not knocking okay. the halo Bassinet is a lifesaver. It is a great tool for moms out there. And it was a top rated item, which is why I bought it. And it was great, but it just, most nights she ended up in our bed anyway. So that's when we made that decision that if we were going to do it, we needed to, you know, kind of overall our head, our bedroom to make sure it would be done safely. Mm -hmm. And so if someone is interested in doing this, they just need a floor mattress and just a regular firm mattress, not a soft. There's like a hundred million beds now. <laughs> yes. We actually get asked a lot, like what brand do you recommend? And it's not that one brand is safer or better than the other. I mean, I personally have a migraine mattress. I really like them. It's a comfortable bed. It's all organic. That's just what we use. It's firm. We got the firmest one, but yes, a floor bed and just a plain fitted sheet, no comforters, no blankets. You don't want any cracks. They say pack the cracks. So if there's a crack between, you know, your mattress and bed, you want to make sure that's filled because when your baby starts rolling and moving, you don't want anywhere for them to get stuck. As far as like your windows and like a lot of the blinds have those pull strings. You want to make sure the bed's not near any windows and thing, you know, have everything removed from the room, make sure all the dressers and bureaus are anchored to the wall. Yeah. Very good safety tips there. And I know a lot of moms like the video as well, like the Nest camera, something like that to set up. Um, We just have a regular baby monitor. A video would have definitely come in handy. So that way you can kind of check. And when you're downstairs eating your ice cream, just kind of pull them up, make sure everything looks good. Yeah. We talked a little bit before we recorded about natural parenting because we were talking about Instagram and hashtags and stuff. So is that interchangeable attachment parenting and natural parenting? So some people will tell you yes, some people will tell you no. Um, So per like their definitions, they are not interchangeable. The community is very similar though. There's a lot of, we'll hear like gentle parenting, conscious parenting, all of these terms, but attachment parenting is its own separate term coined by Dr. William Sears. So they're not really used interchangeable. They all kind of have their own little definitions, but like I would say I follow all of them because they are all so similar. You know, I don't want to knock it, but like in my head, I kind of group them all together. But I think that's because I follow a lot of them. Like I take from a lot of different avenues, different things as most parents Mm -hmm. do. Yeah. And you've built a really great community on Instagram. You have tens of followers. What would you say is your number one question that you get from your followers? Oh, wow. This is a really good one. Definitely co-sleeping safely is a big thing. You know, how do I do this? Am I doing this right? Does this look okay? And we also get a lot in relation to relationships because there's kind of this like stigma that if you co-sleep with your baby, that 
like your relationship's going to fail. Like, you know, your bond with your partner and there's going to be no intimacy and things like that. So we get a lot of questions about that as well. I've actually heard that. And now that you mention it, like, how does that affect your relationship? Like the intimacy part? This is such a question that I always cringe at when we get it because it's like, oh, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's such an awkward question to me. But I always respond with saying that you never, never sit on a co-sleeper's couch because sex just doesn't happen in a bed. <laughs> uh, that's kind of my answer, my not PG-13 answer, but that's the importance of a floor bed. You know, after my daughter goes to sleep, I've perfected the ninja roll and I roll out of bed at 8.30 and my husband and I don't go to bed till 11. So that frees up a couple of hours of time for just him and I. And I also think, again, speaking for Alexis, because I know this is what she would say, that your bond with your partner and building intimacy with your partner isn't just about sex. And I know we talked on our podcast a lot about, you know, building that relationship and getting to know one another and prioritizing, you know, date nights and things like that. It doesn't just have to be about sex, but yeah, there's really that big taboo topic in our community that because your baby is in the bed, that means you don't have sex because it can only happen there. And that's really not the case. Well, I'm sorry for putting you on the spot there, but inquiring minds want to know. raised by my grandparents, old school Irish Catholic, like you couldn't even say the word boob. So like talking about sex to me, I'm like, what do you mean? And that's my answer. It just, you know, it doesn't just happen in a bed. And no, but I think it's important to talk about these things because that might be an issue for someone and they may not want to do this because of that. And you're saying you're proof that it doesn't have to affect your intimacy or your relationship. You just find other ways to connect. A lot of people really do struggle with the bonds like, oh, you know, being touched out if I'm wearing my baby all the time and nursing and sleeping in the bed, like, how do you keep that bond with your partner? And, you know, for me personally, I feel like having a child and practicing this, it's really actually brought my husband and I closer together, just seeing him being so nurturing and caring with our daughter and also like his support of it. Cause you know, we've gotten backlash, we've gotten, you know, negative comments and seeing him kind of, you know, stand up and take them. And really he was the one who kind of pushed for this by saying like, no, like, why are you making this harder on yourself? You know, motherhood's hard enough, like put the bed on the floor. So Mm -hmm. I feel like seeing that, you know, it actually brings you closer together when you're able to, you know, have your views align and really feel so passionately about something. And I know, unfortunately, that's not the case. That's another thing we get a lot of that, you know, oh, my partner doesn't want to do this, or he wants our baby to cry it out or wants to spank and these things, you know, how do I navigate that? And, you know, Alexis and I haven't had to navigate that. So that's something, you know, I feel for those mamas out there because it's tough. Yeah. When the parents aren't on the same page, it is tough and you have to compromise. Luckily, most of the things, you know, that involve parenting with my husband and I, we agree on like homeschooling and not spanking. And so, yeah, I can only imagine like what it would be like to not agree on something like that. Cause that's, it's a lifestyle. It's a huge thing to to go into together and practice that. Have you talked to parents or moms who say like their husband's not on the same page and they don't want to do it? We have quite a bit. And 
really there's no right answer there. You know, you can't change somebody's views on something. You can't make them believe what you believe. We always just, you know, send resources and articles and books and all of these things that really back the practice and back why we do this. And even just having that open conversation and the communication, and maybe your partner just doesn't understand what attachment parenting is because most people don't, or maybe they just, you know, aren't ready for it or are confused. You know, it could really be anything. So we really just urge, you know, moms to have that conversation. And if you're pregnant now, like start researching this now. I'm all about doing everything while you're pregnant so that when the baby comes, you can do what you want and practice these things and enjoy your baby and not have to research at that time. Yeah, I didn't do any of that while I was pregnant. So it was kind of the baby came and it was like, oh, like, I don't know. I'm just going to do what feels right. But if I had a little bit more of the research, I definitely think my confidence would have been a little bit better when you're kind of met with the the adversity and just the different things that come up. Yeah. And you mentioned you got even closer with your husband when you saw him taking care of the baby or how he was more nurturing. And I just like, you think you love your husband now, you know, before babies and after babies, it's like a whole nother level of just watching them be a father. It's like, wow, like we did this like together, you and I created her. And like, sometimes we'll even just look at her and she'll say, you know, like a smart remark or just something like beyond brilliant. We just look at each other and we're like, wow, like she's here because of us. And it's, it really is remarkable. There's no words really to explain just motherhood. It's, it's overwhelming. (laughs) So sweet. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. Is there anything else you want to add on before we wrap up? Um, there is not. I will just add, though, that where are your listeners, if they want to learn more about attachment parenting or co-sleeping or anything in between, if they just want to, you know, have a good laugh, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at, at coffee and co-sleeping. And we drop new episodes every Sunday morning. Follow them. They are funny. And they have this. What is it called? Secret Sunday? Oh, Secret Saturday. Yes. Oh, Secret Saturday. Able- Yes, to drop your deepest and darkest secrets and we share them, you know, without your name, all that is blocked out. We put polls and the amount of moms that just reach out that are like, I'm so glad they said it. I'm right there. You know, I'm going through that. And then we we talk about it and we share resources. And, you know, if we don't have the resources, we share the pages that have them. We're all about connecting and really building that lost village. And, you know, we have a Facebook group that we urge people to join just just to kind of connect with other moms. All right. And what's that Facebook group? We could also uh, attach it to the show notes, but do you want to shout that out? Yep. Coffee and co-sleeping. Okay. That's easy enough. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again, Amanda. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's our show for today. If you find this podcast valuable, then I would love for you to leave the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. The more ratings and reviews, the more searchable it'll be for other mamas just like you looking for a show just like this. Okay, mamas, I appreciate you all for tuning in. And until next time, take care.